from Wall Street to the White House. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Talking about the Ukraine-Russian war, we welcome back General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman Institute for the Study of War, and Fox News senior strategic analyst, also Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Um, General Keane, good morning, sir. Uh, Good morning. Yes, uh, thank you for coming on, as always, of course. I want to ask you about uh, some news items that uh, Russia seems to be pivoting uh, away from Kiev and back towards the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. Uh, their losses have been so great around Kiev. Is is this a significant? First of all, is it true in your judgment? And is this a significant change? No, I mean uh, we believe it's fictitious because uh, it, it, the fact is is that the main effort has always been to take the capital, to take the major cities, you know, to force the collapse of the entire country, and they they haven't been successful at that. But they told a domestic audience that the reason they were going into Ukraine was because of the genocide that was being committed by the Ukrainian military in the Donbass region and that they were killing innocent civilians. Uh, Of course, that was a false story. So what the deputy uh, deputy chief of staff to the general staff is, is, is claiming here, he's really talking to his domestic audience and he's trying to deal with the fact that they've had significant failure. And, and what he's claiming is they've had significant success. And their operations are being are, are voluntarily restricted in other areas because of the success they've had in the Donbass region. So it's false. Their success, have they had some success in the Donbass region? True. But they've had complete failure throughout the rest and the remainder of Ukraine, by and large. And that's due to the Ukraine military, and they're not about to admit that. They have never given up at going after the major cities and the capital to include where they are today. That is still their main objective. They're reinforcing the forces around Kiev. They still want to bring them down and circle the city and, and hammer the city like they're doing with Mariupol. So it in our judgment, it's fictitious. It's designed for the domestic audience. So, this, so they're not going to let up on Kiev. That's correct. Hmm. It's interesting. All these news reports have it have it uh, have it differently. But of course, some of these reports are based on what's coming out of Russia. So one should never really believe what's coming out of Russia. Yeah, I mean, this is a report that that's really being given to the to the Russian people, mm. and you know, how do they cope with a month of failure? Is what this is, and, and he's created this narrative, you know, for that reason that they really have had success, and uh, and they're accomplishing their objective. Listen, they, they're going to have problems here because, you know, their soldiers are starting to come home now who have been killed, mm. and others who have been, uh, you know, severely wounded and, and and cannot be taken care of. Uh, here they have to go back to hospitals in Russia, and and all of that's going to gradually, not quickly, but gradually take its toll. In addition to the sanctions, see, there's likely will be some problems at home for Putin, uh, rightfully so and deservedly so. But it'll, it'll also take some time for that to take hold. 
Um, let me switch to this NATO conference because uh, President uh, Zelensky has had, he's given a couple of tough speeches. It just doesn't appear that President Biden and the other leaders of NATO are giving him the weaponry that he really wants. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like the issue of the old Soviet MiGs has been resolved, that the S-300s have been resolved, uh, more anti-tanks uh, weaponry, more anti-ship weaponry. It, it, I mean, I, I kind of thought going into this conference that the NATO countries you know, would reward the Ukrainian bravery and the surprise how well Ukraine has done and how badly Russia has done by bolstering them. I mean, I kind of thought the Western countries would want Ukraine to win and Russia to lose, but I don't have that impression. And a lot of these weapons issues and military assistance overall issues, General Keene, it doesn't seem like the ball's moved in the right direction. No, I agree with that. I mean, I expected a public declaration after the NATO conference, after all, this was an emergency meeting. A month has transpired since the last meeting. The last meeting was pretty close to the beginning of the war. And, and, and at that meeting, the thought was that Russia would likely take Ukraine in three or four days. So whatever we were giving to them at the time was likely more going to be used to deal with an insurgency uh, against an occupying force, Russia. Well, here we are a month later, and and President Zelensky and his military has fought the Russians to a standstill. And it's shocking. And we were sort of expecting a declaration that we're on the same page with uh, President Zelensky. We're going to help him win and get rid of the Russians. That's, find the words to say that. And we thought that's what would come out of that. But it, it really hasn't, and there is no official public statement like that whatsoever, nor is there anything dealing with WMD that uh, Russians have been waving in front of our faces for for over a month, attempting to intimidate us and, and make certain that, that we don't do certain things, particularly in terms of uh, giving Zelensky more combat power. So I found the NATO conference uh, disappointing on both of those levels. Now, look at they're putting 40,000 troops in eastern Ukraine and in eastern Europe, NATO forces. Good thing. They're, they're doing more sanctions, and they're trying to police up the sanctions that they've already put in play. Those are good things. Uh, but they, they, I think they really missed the, the main point of coming together, and that is to help Zelensky win the war. I think in the back of the NATO leaders' minds, in the back of Biden's mind, I believe for sure, because I've been given some evidence of it when it comes to President Biden and his team, they want to end the war. They, they want to make a deal. They want this thing to be over. And that's not where Zelensky is. He wants to win the war. Do you have any intel on, on what Biden is saying, what Biden's people are saying regarding a potential peace deal? In terms of the specifics, no. Just that there's pressure on him to, to make a deal. Um and if he makes a deal at this point with the Russians, it's going to be—it would be major territorial loss mm. uh, for him to do that. And I don't see him doing that. I mean, in a sense, we'd be letting Russia off the hook. Maybe I'm putting too much credence in the Ukrainian opposition, but I don't know. This thing's gone so badly for Russia. Uh, you know, all these rumors is 
there's unrest in, 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 in Russia itself, there's unrest in Moscow. Uh, I know that dissent is never made public, but you read all this stuff, even some of his closest advisors, even some of his closest military advisors don't like what's going on. I hate to see Russia let off the hook. I mean, why don't we just, I mean, honest to goodness, just speaking as a civilian, uh, not, not like yourself as a, as a military expert and former general, but to me, uh, I don't want to let them off the hook. I want I want to help Ukraine win the war. I mean, I just I I want to reward Ukraine. I want to back them a hundred percent. I think Russia's on the run. I think they're on the run in the Ukraine, and I think they're on the run internationally. Putin's made a damn fool of himself, and um, I don't want to let up. No, I totally agree. I mean, and if if we put our NATO hats on, you're sitting there, thirty countries, Ukraine is pounding the Russians. Mm. Inflicting significant casualties on them, significant destruction of equipment. And what better deterrence could NATO possibly have than Zelensky and his army? He is crushing the Russian army right in front of our eyes. Hmm. There is no way that this military machine that Putin has put together could even conceive of going into a NATO country. I mean, they, they can't deal with Ukraine much less NATO, Zelensky is accomplishing what NATO wants to accomplish, deterring Russia from mm. ever attacking NATO, at least in the near term, that's for sure. And, and why, so, so why would they really be behind him and saying, let's go for the juggler, let's win this thing, let's, let's crush the Russian army in Ukraine and force their, force their eviction. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, and it's nuanced to be sure, but the, the the silence that they have on that subject, and the silence that they have on what are they going to do about WMD, is deafening. What can they do about WMD biochemical warfare? Well, first of all, declare that it's unacceptable, that you you will not let it stand. You know that there will be decisive consequences. Uh, all options are on the table. I mean, and certainly uh, if they use WMD, I mean, I believe there should be a military response to something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Trump administration uh, is a good il- illustration of it. The Biden, uh, the Obama administration did not act after chemical weapons were used in Syria. Uh, President Trump did. I believe the, the the strike, the first strike after it would, could, should have been stronger and gone after the delivery means at the airfields. Mm. We didn't do that, and they used chemical weapons again, and the second strike was stronger and shut them down. We didn't declare war on Syria. We just did a limited military strike to deal with the fact that they were using chemical weapons. And something like that could be done inside Ukraine. There's plenty of options, Larry. It's just you ask what could be done. I'll give you one. Yeah, I mean, we we clearly could uh, go after a, a Russian target inside of inside of Ukraine that may be related to the delivery means, if possible, of chemical weapons. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting we attack Russia in Russia. We attack Russia in Ukraine, mm-hmm. and and do that with uh, cruise missiles delivered from airplanes, and if it's possible, also to do some of that from. Uh, from ships in the Black Sea or submarines from that area, that that I'd leave that up to the Navy in terms of 
the presence of the Russian ships and what the issues are there. But we could we could take down uh, targets inside of Ukraine mm-hmm. without ever entering Ukraine airspace. We did the mm-hmm. same thing with Syria. We did not enter Syria's airspace. We mm-hmm. we were outside of it. And we could do the very same thing here, a limited attack, but nonetheless powerful enough to get their attention and make certain they understood that we're not going to put up with this. General Keene, can we take a quick break? Will you stay with us on the other side? I can keep you for another 12 or 14 minutes. I want to sure. talk some more about Putin and his oligarchs and his yacht and what he's stealing from the uh, Russian defense budget. And anyway, we're talking to General Jack Keene, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, and, of course, Fox News senior strategic analyst. Uh, I'm Larry Kudlow, folks. We'll be right back with the general. Larry Kudlow. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. I'm talking to General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. General Keene, there's a really interesting interview in today's Wall Street Journal with a fellow named Bill Browder, who was a British investor. He used to have a fund uh, set up in Russia, and he got into an argument with Russia. Uh, he paid $230 million in taxes and um, wanted to know where that money went. And his investigator, his lawyer, by the way, in this uh, thing was um, Magrinsky. What's his? uh, Right, Sergei Magnitsky, uh, who became a great uh, human rights um, uh, icon and was eventually killed by the Russians. But Browder makes this point that 80% of the budgets of various departments are stolen by the people who run the departments. And that includes the defense budget. And, you know, on the TV show, I raised the issue, why is it that we are not, we, the United States government, is not going after Putin's yacht, his boat, his $700 million boat, which is sitting off the coast of Italy, uh, obviously from stolen funds. I mean, Putin is corrupt He's a kleptomaniac. He's stolen all this money. Uh, people say he just skims off the top every single a- energy deal possible. He, he's been a public servant for three decades, and he has a $700 million yacht. Some people say he's worth a couple of hundred billion dollars. I mean, that narrative, Putin as crook, corrupt Putin, kleptomaniac Putin, I don't see why we don't push that narrative. It's not just that he's a war criminal, that's bad enough, but look what he's done to his own country, his own working people. Totally agree. And you know, his political opponents, that was one of the things they did all the time, was expose the luxury that Putin was living in, was you know, comparable uh, not to the former Soviet leaders, uh, but comparable to the czars. Mm. And they, they were trying to ex- expose all of that. And he may have one of the largest yachts in the, in the world, certainly, and it's in a foreign country. I don't know why they uh, that has not been taken. And yes, I think he he is likely. I mean, when I was years ago, when I had a classified briefing from the CIA on Putin, um, and it's been widely reported since then. You know, he was 
at that time, likely the richest man in the world. Mm. And uh, and he still is. And I think then the holdings were 50, 60 billion. Now mm. it's likely, as you suggest, it's more than double. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that, you know, most of the people in Russia, you know, live very modest lives. And they're hardworking, hardy people. And, you know, they... They would have difficulty getting their head around something like that. That that complete ostentatious luxury that uh, that Putin is is dealing with. I mean, his his place, um, his doctor is more, which is a vacation home, is more like a palace, from mm. what I've been led to believe, and that's what his political opponents were exposing. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, it, there should be a, a, a primary focus on Mr. Putin and his wealth. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know what we're waiting for. We have the evidence. Uh, you know, this boat, this this $700 million dinghy is sitting off the coast of Italy, and uh, the Russian crew has left. Now, maybe they were all Secret Service agents. I don't know. But they're gone. Uh, the boat's just sitting out there, apparently. It's got some kind of skeletal crew. There are reports that the Italian authorities are trying to track down uh, the ownership, but, you know, you'll go through a million dummy corporations before you figure that out. Everybody knows it's Putin's boat. Heck, if we could seize it and generally, you know, if it turns out we're wrong, we can give it back to him. <laughs> but I think that this is an avenue of attack in all seriousness that we should be making in the United States and the rest of these Western countries. It's not just that he's a war criminal. That's bad enough. He's killing innocent civilians and so forth. But look what he's done to his own people. They just steal everything. And the oligarchs, you know, the oligarch system should be um, exposed, it seems to me. I don't think people realize they just take money, you know, they allocate money to budgets and print the money, and then they just take it. A handful of people who run, you know, it would be like one of our cabinet departments if the, if the head of the department just, you know, took half the budget or more. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that we're focusing on this, the, the level of corruption, because one of the things that's starting to come out is people are scratching their head and saying, what, what's the problem with the Russian military? I mean, everybody gave them more credit than what, than what they're delivering, and, and to include our intelligence services, you know, who, they work at this full time. And, and I think the corruption here that you're, you're touching on is part of that. They're ripping off the money that goes in to uh into, into defense and and the capabilities and and the logistic infrastructure is just not there uh that that should be there to sustain this army uh, in the field and because they've been ripping it off you know the, the the generals today that are in the russian military are all very rich people hmm. and live uh, a life of luxury and where do they get that money well, they're ripping off the money that's going to defense. Uh, the same thing was happening uh, in the uh, in the government in Afghanistan that we were supporting. We we would give them uh, money to pay for their to pay for defense and pay their troops. And a, a lot of the leaders were cooking the books in terms of they, you know, saying this was the headcount when it was actually considerably less. But they got the money. For the phony headcount, and 
that that level of corruption, I think, is considerably more sophisticated than what's going on in Russia. And it's one of the reasons, not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons to explain the problems that they're having on the battlefield because there's so much blatant corruption. The money never get, got into the full capabilities that that money was intended to, to pay for. You know, that's what this guy, this British investor who got thrown out of Russia because he complained about his taxes... That's one of the things he said in this interview, that the Russian defense budget has been completely ripped off by the generals and other oligarchs. And he went on to say, I mean, this guy's written a couple books on the subject. He, he's obviously an anti-Putin guy. But he said that, um, that the soldiers have had to sell supplies like gasoline, for example, and other supplies just to carry on. They don't have, you know, they don't... They don't. They're not getting paid by Moscow. They're having to go into business for themselves. So I don't know what, how much of that is uh, responsible for their bad showing or not. But I think it's part of this story, part of a narrative that that people in the West should be discussing. Okay, our government should be talking about this level of corruption. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I totally agree with you. You know, another thing that that's come to light is the Russians. Their primary reason uh, for developing a new system is so they can sell that system and export it and make money from it. Huh. And and that's what they've done with the S-400 air defense systems with their fighters and other things. Hmm. And they don't have as many of those things in their military as they should have. All right. Because they've been, and, and when they sell it, guess General, who's that money off? Thank you, you know, General they, Jack Keane. Thank you ever so much, sir. We'll talk soon. Back on the TV show this week. General Jack Keane, folks, Fox News Senior Strategic Analyst. I'm Larry Kudlow. Other side of the break, we're going to talk about the whole energy problem here in the U.S. and in Russia and in Europe. I'm Larry Kudlow. Please stay with us. Much, much more to do.